Malik Foster, apologize now. This guy's got a family. Saved by Vinielo! Rodrigo Lopez! It's improbable! It's indomitable! It's another cup set! And Sacramento Republic are off to the final! Football Americas live and underway here on ESPN+. Plus. Without Hercules Gomez, I am Sebastian Salazar. Great to have you with us. And then there were two, two teams left. That's all that's left in the U.S. Open Cup. We will discuss that plenty throughout the show. We also have coming up Mauricio Pedrosa, who's going to join us to discuss all the latest news out of Liga Mekis and with the Mexican national team, plus a one-on-one -on -one with U.S. men's national team goalie Zach Steffen ahead of his season with Middlesbrough in the championship. Casey Keller will also join us to discuss not just the interview with Zach Steffen, but also American goalies at large and specifically their work in the championship over the years. But there's only one place to start this edition of Football Americas, episode 149, by the way, and we're going to start it with the magic of the cup. U.S. Open Cup semifinals last night. We're starting with a nightcap. Sacramento against Sporting Kansas City. 0-0 into the second half. First real chance of the day. Gondan the shot. Pull scam. The goalie for Sporting Kansas City with a huge save on Keko Gondan to keep us scoreless and push this one in to extra time. Tension throughout this match into extra time. Sporting Kansas City would get some chances. None better than this one. Daniel Shallowy off the underside of the crossbar. Then ricochets out of bounds. Another look at it here. Sporting Kansas City getting some momentum in extra time, but can't put it past. Daniel Vitiello, the goalie for Sacramento Republic. So we're headed to a penalty shootout. 4-3, Sporting Kansas City here when Ay Mamacita Malik Foster does this. Are you kidding? I don't even know what I'm focused on here. Am I focused on the Panenka? Because it's pretty wild to do it in a situation like this. Am I focused on the backflip celebration? Because that's pretty sweet to do in a moment like this. Or am I focused on this? He's putting everybody to sleep like Steph Curry. Graham Zussi steps up. Oh, Vitello, a huge save. He'd been waiting for his moment all night. And he makes the play here. The save, which puts the game in the balance. And who else? El Capitan, Roro, Rodrigo Lopez from the spot with those shorts on all the way up. Put Sacramento Republic into the final. They beat Sporting Kansas City 5-4 on penalties after a scoreless draw through not just 90, but 120 minutes. Absolute scenes at Heart Health Park in Sacramento. Unbelievable stuff. Sacramento becoming the first non-MLS team to reach the final of the U.S. Open Cup since 2008 when the Charleston Battery reached the final only to fall to my beloved D.C. United. All right, for more on this game, let's welcome in the man who you just saw in the highlights. I'm pretty sure they're just finishing, putting the finishing touches right now on his statue outside the stadium there in Sacramento. Rodrigo Lopez, the captain. My man, how you feeling this morning? Because I saw you cramping up late in that game, brother. Oh, so uh, not even late in the game. I was cramp <laughs> cramping 70 minutes in. I was, I was dying, man. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but it was all heart. I mean, our team performed 
you know, well, uh, you know, both teams were fairly tired. You know, the Kansas City came from a from a game against LAFC this weekend, and we we played uh, um, Phoenix this weekend in warm weather. So we were both fairly tired, and you know, a lot of a lot of legs were camping up uh, last night. But you know, obviously, we we were able to get through it. Yeah, man, you, I'll say you were able to get through it. Hey, tell me a little bit about the atmosphere there and maybe how it impacted the game because it, it definitely felt, you know, to your point, like there was some tired legs late in that one. You got a packed house. They really seemed to be pushing you on. Is that fair to say what I saw on ESPN Plus that came through the screen? Did that impact you guys on the field? Oh, yeah. I mean, our fans, I've said it before, we have the best fans in, in the league in USL Championship, um, and they showed up last night. They showed up, uh, you know, even during during warm-ups, we, we felt the love, we felt the excitement from the city, from the fans, and, you know, it's something that, that we feed off. So, um, you know, you're, you're cramping, but but you you sense this this uh, sensation from the fans, the, the love, the support, the passion, and, you know, you have to get through it. And uh, somehow I got through it. I was able to take a PK, but after it, I was done. <laughs> I was done. All right, so let's talk about the penalty shootout. I, I want to get to your penalty and the celebration afterward, but uh, we got to start with Malik's with Malik's Panenka. I mean, uh, what are you thinking when you, do you? First of all, do you guys know he's going to do that when he's walking up? Have you seen that in practice? You never know what Malik's going to do. He's just that type of player. He's special. He's, uh, you know, since day one, I I, I fairly try to get really close to him because you know Malik Malik is just one of those rare players he, he's so special on the field um, he's hard to open up to but when you open up to him he's a, an amazing person and um, and he's been working so hard on his fitness on being a team player being a player that we need and he came on and changed the, the entire game I mean he was phenomenal for us he held the ball you know, he's not the biggest guy, but man, he has the heart of a of a warrior, you know. And uh, and he came on and did fairly well for us. And and that PK was just icing on the cake because I, I I did it had my heart up to here probably. I I, I mean. He scared me. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it, but a special moment. You know, it's funny you mentioned his hold-up play because I'm watching the game, and, of course, everyone's talking about what he did in the penalty, the Panenka, and, of course, that's what's going to go viral. But, like, the whole game, he's matching up with dudes a foot taller than him, and they cannot yeah. get to the ball. And I was really blown away by, by his hold-up ability, especially for a guy that size. Let's talk about one of the other heroes uh, from last night, Daniel Vitiello, your goalie, uh, to make that save, and not just on anybody, right, on a, on a pro's pro on Graham Zussi in that spot, man. You must have been happy for your goalie. No, no, no. He had a phenomenal night. Not just the PK. I mean, obviously, that was, you know, for me, I was just praying that that he would save that PK because I was next. And, you know, obviously, if I would have made or make it or miss it, I, I we still had a chance. But um, if Zussi makes that PK, obviously, it puts a lot more pressure on me. And uh, Danny Vitello came up huge. But not just in the PKs. He he came up huge uh, during the whole 120 minutes. Um, our defense was phenomenal. It was just you know a night where um, where we needed him, and he came up huge. Um, for me, he was the man of the match. 
Um, and he's been doing it throughout the whole season, so uh, I'm not surprised. And we yeah, have two goalkeepers that, I mean, in every position right now, that's barely I, I, I could say that we're, we're really deep. Um, and we're fortunate to have two very good goalkeepers uh, at the moment. And uh, honest, I mean, Vitello has been doing it right now as a starter, but um, but Carlos as well has been has been uh, putting in some good shifts and played it in, in the league game last game and and did fairly well as well. So um, Vitello deserves a man of the match for me last night. Yep, man of the match, and he gives you the assist, right? Because then he gives you the opportunity to, to be the hero in the fifth and final penalty. So once that shot from Graham Zussi gets stopped, what goes into your mind? Walk us through the walk-up, and then eventually what you did from the spot. Seba, honestly, uh, as, as someone that's been through, you know, I was the first signing in Sacramento Republic history, and just last night, it, it was just the perfect script again. It just always seems to be a perfect script for me to be the guy to come through. I, I, I Sometimes I just don't want it. I, I mean, I'm more of a team player. I just rather have the team win and, and uh, you know, move on to better things and win championships, win league games, whatever it is. But um, but again, it came up to me again and as, as he saved it and I said, hey, I got to I got to hold it up for the city i had a, i had to hold it up for my teammates i didn't want to let them down and and obviously um you know the rest is history so tell me about your day today right because the, the day after is always the most fun have you been getting around town what's the buzz in sacramento about the game last night has anybody mentioned uh your post penalty celebration knee slide because that's really <laughs> the only thing i can knock from last night brother oh no 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 um yeah, I I went to my favorite place to go eat today, and uh, a good friend of mine works there, and he he treats me nice every time. So uh, we spoke about it. We did, um, but yeah, I was cramping 70th minute. So when I when the PKs came, I I was just praying that I would get through the PKs, that I wouldn't cramp on my run to shoot the ball. And once I saw the ball hit the net, I was just so excited that I had a. I don't know. I don't even know what I did. I was just so excited. And, and, uh, as soon as I went down, I felt the cramp and <laughs> it didn't feel good. But at the same time, it was, it was such an enjoyment just watching everyone celebrate and, and my teammates, coaching staff, everyone together, you know, we're a big family and, um, and just seeing everyone so happy and, uh, excited for me, uh, you know, it, it did the night. All right, so it sounds like the uh, celebration around town was, was pretty awesome then as you, uh, as you celebrated here uh, advancing to the U.S. Open Cup Finals. What about the reaction, not from around Sacramento, but on social media, Rodrigo? And I'm wondering if you've seen this. So uh, Major League Soccer, of course, has an official account, and they tweeted out about the U.S. Open Cup Final, which is set to be played between Orlando City and Sacramento Republic. Uh, MLS did find a way to add Orlando City they didn't at you guys. They didn't at Sacramento Republic. They're not giving you guys love. A lot of people see this as a sign of disrespect, Roro. What do you make of it? Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they don't want us to win the Open Cup. But, <laughs> you know, we're here. Um, we're here. We're, we don't focus on what other people think, to be honest. we Right now, we're actually focused on, on winning a game on Saturday night, an important league game against Charleston. And... Uh, and uh, obviously, when the time comes, we're going to be excited for this game. It's a championship game, and 
And, you know, there's, those are games that you want to win. Um, those are games that many dream of. Many in probably their whole career don't get to, you know, live a game like that. And, and we're fortunate to, to be there in that spot. So when that time comes, we'll focus on it. But right now we're, we're not, I don't think many of the guys are really focused on what the MLS thinks or what they have to offer or if they, if they add us to their post or not. It's okay. Don't worry <laughs> about it. We've, uh, we've, we've knocked out three teams from their league and it's okay. I feel like Sacramento should be an MLS and hopefully one day it, it, it becomes a reality. But uh, right now we're just focused on uh, on now league play. And, and when that time comes, September 7th, I believe it is, we'll, we'll focus on, on, on Orlando. Like you mentioned, it is a ways off, right? But what do you know about Orlando and what are your kind of initial thoughts on, on the matchup? Because, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest games that you're going to play, that Sacramento Republic is going to play. I know there's games between now and then, but you got to already start start thinking about this Orlando team, I'm sure. Oh, no, it's a, it's a team that that I know. Um, I've, I've uh, witnessed some of uh, Coach's teams. He coached in Mexico a few years, Pareja, and obviously in MLS, uh, but he, you know, he builds good teams. He's, he's a good coach. He's a winner. Um, teams are very dynamic. Um, and, you know, obviously I haven't seen as much as I wanted to, but to beat New York Red Bull 5-1 to yesterday, it must say that they're pretty good, you know. So we have to be ready uh, when, like I said, when that time comes, we'll prepare, but we know we're up for a fight. Uh, we went to LA, we won the game there and, you know, it's a great team. And, and now we have to go to Orlando and do the same thing. We, we can't be afraid of anyone at this point. We have nothing to lose. We've obviously deserved to be where we're at now. Um, and we just have to believe in, in each other and we do. So that's, that's something that that's gotten us to this point. Roro, as great a story as this is, it's not your first rodeo. You've been around, and you've been around this region a lot. So I wonder, what would it mean uh, for you to be the captain of a second division team to win the Open Cup? And I think what's important to acknowledge here is the, the CONCACAF Champions League ticket that would come to that. What would that mean to you in the Sacramento Republic? Oh, man. That would be, that would be amazing. Um, you know, just, just playing in, in, in prestigious tournaments like that would would be amazing for the city, amazing for this franchise, amazing for, for our league, uh, to be honest. Um, I, you know, I was around in 2014, 2013 in, in USL championship and, and the league's grown so much that, you know, for this league to, to go this far, I think would be huge. Um, you know, they talk about promotion relegation and, and for me, I fair, I feel like it's fairly close. I feel like it should happen in this country. I think it'd be great for the for the sport in this country, and um, and we only continue to grow. You know, the, the game here has grown so much, and and obviously MLS is is a huge uh, uh, stone to to that development. But uh, USL has played their parts as well, and uh, and we're 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 ready for it. You know, we're ready for whatever comes our way. Absolutely. Sacramento Republic in the CONCACAF Champions League. I can see the headlines now. Rodrigo Lopez, thanks so much for the time, man. Appreciate you. And if you keep going this way, I'm sure you'll be back on Football Americas very, very soon.
Sounds good. We got to get you a jersey, though. I don't know. I don't see you wearing the Sac Republic jersey. What's hey, going on? bro. All right, just just get it. Go to the kids section there. Give me a, a youth extra large, and we'll be good. Have <laughs> your people talk to my people. Schmedium, a very very a slim fit schmedium is the size for you, boy. Roro, thanks again, man. We Great got, to we have gotta you. We got to get Herc a, a large now after his vacation, though. So. Oh yeah, yeah. He claims to have been working out, but we'll see. He needs that XL after the vacay. Thanks, man. Thanks Sounds again. Good. Thank you, Seba. There he is, Rodrigo Lopez, the captain of Sacramento Republic. So who are they going to get in the U.S. Open Cup Final? Well, this game actually was played earlier in the evening yesterday. Orlando City and the New York Red Bulls picked this one up in first half stoppage time. Lewis Morgan from a tight angle going to put the New York Red Bulls on top. Remember, outside of supporter shields, this team has never won a major trophy. Going all the way back to the Metro Stars days. Is this the moment? Well, it looked like it for a moment there. But just before the half, Orlando strikes back. Cesar Araujo with the goal off the corner kick. They say set pieces. Always a difference maker. Difference maker there. 1-1 at the half. Second minute of the second half. Mauricio Pereira putting Orlando City up 2-1. Tight, tight finish there from the number 10. 62nd minute. It's Cesar Araujo again. Catches the volley clean. His second of the game. Uh, it's not quite the Roro knee slide, but we'll allow it from Araujo. Puts it past the keeper. Orlando City at that point up 3-1. to one. Could they find a fourth? Yes. Facundo Torres in the 74th. Look out. Orlando City running away with it. Four to one over the New York Red Bulls. Another one coming. Benji Michelle, yes. La Manita and the flip. Five to one. Orlando City, the fighting Tim Fontenault. What's up, Timmy? I know you're celebrating this one. As uh, Orlando City are headed to the U.S. Open Cup Final, and there we see it. Not a whole lot of history for teams from Florida making deep runs in this competition, but Orlando City is certainly ready to add to it. Orlando City then are into the U.S. Open Cup Final where they will face off against Sacramento Republic. Orlando City manager Oscar Pareja joining us next here on Football Américas. Profe, congratulations. How are you feeling after that big win last night? It was a big win. Uh, first of all, thank you for the invitation. And uh, here we are enjoying, but at the same time preparing the next one, the, the next game in the league. But this achievement to go to the final with uh, Orlando for our second team, for our second uh, time, is, is, is very important. Just looking forward for that one game, yes. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this semifinal. Because New York scores just before halftime. I think it was stoppage time of the first half. And any coach will tell us, man, that's, that's a time that you don't want to give up a goal. So you go... Down one nothing in the semifinal just before the half. What are you thinking in that moment on the sideline? It, it was a pretty good half for both teams. Uh, I think it was one of those games when uh, New York uh, was creating some uh, uh, chances and we created ours too. And in that moment, I thought that it was a time just to come to the break and just leave it there and uh, reshape a, a couple things. But then uh, uh, DC hit us with, uh, with that chance and that goal. Uh, the reaction for us was, was very good. The reaction was fantastic. I think the boys didn't even think that the game was over. In that moment, the half was over and then uh, they continued with the same energy. 
uh, we created a sequence in the ride and then the set place came and, and, and then we were able to, to tie the game and a very important and very key moment. So it's 1-1 at the half. You score a goal two minutes into the second half. You score four goals in the second half. You end up winning this game 5-1. What changes did you make at halftime? What did you say at halftime to lead to that difference? Well, I, I, I think the, the second half was uh, uh, way better. Uh, the solidness that we had, I thought I would reshape a couple of things in the middle. And uh, we knew of uh, the dynamic of New York and how they transition quick through the middle and the numbers that they put in that part of the field. Uh, we just reinforced that and and trying to occupy the spaces that they were leaving in behind. And I thought the boys did a fantastic job on just occupying those spaces. Uh, it was not totally transition because we just kept playing the game and, and, and using our position in the game as well. Uh, it was a very good second half. Uh, still, because we, ha- we have been pursuing that uh, polished uh, thing that I were missing in the last games. And, and yesterday, the boys, the boys were hiding that. So there's a couple players on your roster that particularly intrigued me. Uh, one of them, I think, played about 85 minutes last night. That's Alexander Pato. Now, 10 years ago, if you would have told me Pato's going to be in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal for Orlando City, I think a lot of people would have said, what? So tell me about the impact that this player has made this year for you guys, because last year you, you really hardly got to use him, right? Mm. Last, last year was difficult for Alex. Uh, he suffered an injury that uh, took him too much time to recover and at uh, this time, uh, with the preseason, and what I see from Alex is trying to connect with the group and trying to catch up as well on his rhythm. And uh, he has he has added a lot of playing time in this semester. I think we start uh, just to see much more frequent all those things that Alex can do. Yesterday was uh, a good example. I think he was sharp and uh, he's getting more continuity. But at the same time, the energy for Alex has been very good. Uh, another player on your roster, and actually another player that played last night, Nicholas Joachini came on for the last few minutes. This is a player that a lot of U.S. men's national team fans have a lot of interest in. What, what kind of player do you think you're getting at this point in his career? Well, Nico's a young player. Uh and uh, he has a lot of tools, and uh, we're first very happy to have him and add him in this time of our uh, season. Uh, that versatility that Nico can bring to our team, it would help us. Yesterday, uh, finally, we uh, we brought him. It's, it has been here for a short period of time, but uh, but Nico can give us a lot of things in attack, and then he's is a, a team player as well. Something that highlighting a scouting from, from, from him and what he can do in the national team or what he has done in the national team, what he did in French, what he was playing in, in Montpellier and, and, and Cannes. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can uh, bring all those things here in Major League Soccer. Nico is very excited to be here. We are very excited to have him. And those minutes yesterday just help us just to welcome him and, and to the team. All right, so let's talk about this final matchup because it's against everybody's favorite Cinderella. You got Sacramento Republic. They're the team from the second tier from USL Championship. Uh, Oscar, are you ready to be the bad guys in this final? <laughs> well, yesterday, 
Uh, we get a fantastic step. Uh, we surely will be prepared for this one with all the respect what Sacramento has done so far. Uh, last night we saw their game and beating Kansas City is not an easy task. And uh, with, uh, with that respect as well, we will go. But uh, thinking that, um, you know, we, I don't know, we're going to be the bad guys to the good guys, but those finals, you have the responsibility to, to win it. So Orlando City, you know, comes into existence at least in, at the MLS level in 2015. So this is season number eight for the team. There's no major trophies. Uh, not only would you get a major trophy, you win this. You also get that Concacaf Champions League ticket. What would it mean to you, to Orlando City, to win the U.S. Open Cup? Uh, it would mean a lot. It's, as you said it well, this is the, the great opportunity to give them the first trophy. Uh, to a city that is very passionate about the team, the community is very engaged as well with the club. Uh, we had this opportunity in the MLS back uh, playing the final against uh, Portland. Unfortunately, we couldn't give them that trophy. We advanced in the last two playoffs as well. I think the, uh, the, the team has been seen already in Major League Soccer as a different club. But it will be fantastic for the fans and for the club that we came in a real trophy and this opportunity. We're going, we're going to do everything it's in our hands to win it. There he is, Oscar Pareja, manager of Orlando City. Thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you being here with us on Football Americas and continued success. Well, thank you so much for the company. Thanks. Mark your calendar. September 7th. We got to wait. But I have a feeling it's going to be worth it. Orlando City and Sacramento Republic for the U.S. Open Cup title. Perhaps a chance for a Football Americas road trip. We'll see. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Stefan is off his line really quickly. And Vardy saved by a combination of Stefan and the post. Alvarez with the shot. And Lozano is scored by a very good stop by a hugely exposed Zach Stefan. 
Our next guest on Football America, Zach Steffen of Middlesbrough and the U.S. men's national team. Zach, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. So tell us a little bit about the move. How does the, how does the move, the on-loan transfer to Middlesbrough, come about for you? Uh, it's really just about uh, getting games. Um, I've had two, yeah, two good seasons at, seasons at City, so um, I, I feel like I want to... Uh, I want to get out on the field and play and um middlesbrough were, were interested and, and it was just a good good option um and they're they're competing for um for promotion so um it's a good spot and, and with the world cup coming up um i want to i want to feel good i want to be in, in rhythm what specifically about middlesbrough attracted to you i'm sure there were other options but but what was it about this club that kind of called your name and made it seem like the right fit at this time yeah, I mean, it's a very historical club, a big club um, in England and um, in the championship um, with a with a great manager um, and, and a very uh, very good goalkeeper coach. So um, that was definitely very attractive, attracting for me. It's interesting because you know you, you mentioned the history of this club. I think it was founded in the eighteen hundreds. We don't have a lot of history in the United <laughs> States for an American. What does it mean to play for a club? with such history and I'm sure the kind of fan pressure that I'm assuming comes with that. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, yeah, 1800s and MLS was, was created in 1994, 90, 95, 96, I think. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, and I know Brad Guzan was here and, and they loved him. So um, um, I'm, I'm really excited about the season and then to get games and um, just to, to improve on the field. There's a lot of stereotypes, I feel like, out there about the championship, you know, blood, guts, and thunder. What have people been telling you about what to expect at that level? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard all that as well. Um, but the guys on the team actually say it's it's obviously it's it's competitive and it's physical, but they say it's not as physical as everybody uh, hypes it up to be. So um, I guess we'll see. <laughs> Uh, we don't have promotion relegation here in the United States, but you're playing for promotion. Do you have any idea kind of how that'll affect the urgency of, of every game for you? Yeah, I think I do a good job of, of taking each training one day at a time and, and each game one, one game at a time. So um, that's really all you can do, um, especially when you're when you're trying um, to, to be promoted. Um, you really just got to focus on each game and try to get three points in each game. Um, and that's really all you can control, and, and that's what I'm going to be focusing on. People will see Premier League to Championship, I think, you know, objectively they'll say, okay, that's a step down. Clearly, it's the right step for you. Can we dig down a little bit on, on why you feel that way? Yeah, I think it, it's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't, been, I haven't played too many games um, at City. Um, and, yeah, I mean, obviously training with... with the best players in the world is good, but um, as a goalkeeper, you need to get games. You need to be in rhythm. You need to you need to feel that um, that feeling that games give you that training won't give you. So, um, it, I really just wanted to to come to a team that I could play and and um, a team where I would be pushed and and it would be a challenge. Um, and, and I know the championship is a, is a very strong league and, and it's a lot of games and it's, it's very physical. And um, I know Chris Wilder is uh, a manager who wants to, to have possession of the ball. So um, it, I think it's a good fit. How tough was it 
at City when you know you were getting the reps with the national team, but not necessarily at club level? Yeah, I mean, it was the first time I was uh, a second string um, ever, so that was definitely uh, a tough um, adaptation. And, and um, but at the same time, it was very good. I mean, I grew and, and got um, the best training that I've ever had. So um, I definitely grew grew as a player and, and got better. And um, now it's time to to get some games. I'm always curious kind of where goalies actually fall in this because we debated on the show. We have Hercules Gomez, but he doesn't know anything about goalkeeping. He says, you know, y'all don't need to play as long as they're training at a good level. You know, that's good enough. We've had Casey Keller on. He's kind of gone the other way. Where do you come down mm-hmm. on that debate and how important is it? Yeah, no, I might have to, I might have to go against Hercules on this one. Um, no, it's, it's, it's crucial, man. Um, for, for, we can't just be sitting on the bench and, and, um, be training. It's the same as field players. Uh, they need to get game time and, and, and consistent game time to feel in rhythm, to stay, uh, to stay match fit. And for us, it's more just mentally to stay mentally, um, fit. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I definitely think that goalkeepers are a different position than, than field players, obviously, and um, we need games consistently. How did you manage then without the games to kind of keep your head and stay focused for the national team duty when you were at City? Yeah, like I said before, it's just trying to focus one day at a time, one training at a time, one game at a time, and, and um, try not to think too much because uh, when you do that, that, that definitely hurts. Um, hurt you on the field. And, and so I was just trying to take it all in, all the training, all, all, um, all the advice from, from Pep and, and the keeper coaches and, and Eddie. And um, and then when my tam- time was called um, or my name was called, I would, I would just try to do it to do my best. You mentioned Pep. I got to ask you about him next. What's, what's the impact? Is there an area of influence that, where you can say, okay, this is where Pep Guardiola has, has impacted me as a, as a player? I think it's more just confidence. Um, he had confidence that I could step in there and play, and because um, I mean we don't train that much with with the team. I mean we do, but we always start out with the goalkeeping crew for the first half an hour, forty five minutes, and then and then we go in with the team. So um, I talk way more to to the goalkeeping coach um, at City than I did Pep. But I think it was more just confidence and him believing in, in in me to go out there and perform with the guys. Zach, obviously, you know, anytime you're brought in as a goalie on a Pep Guardiola team, people are saying, okay, this guy, you know, he can play with his feet. You're a guy who has shown us you're very confident with your feet. We also have that debate on this show. Like how important is a goalkeeper's footwork, obviously in the modern game, more so than the past, first, just like that raw shot stopping ability. Give us the goalie's perspective and how, how important is it to be able to do some of the things that you can do with your feet in a game? Yeah, I mean, obviously the the number one uh, role as a goalkeeper is to keep the ball out of the net. Um, so shot stopping and, and there's a lot of aspects to goalkeeping, coming out and crossing and, and being in the right position and all that stuff. But yeah, shot stopping is obviously number one and, and making sure that you keep the ball out of the net. And then, I mean, the game has evolved since um, the last 20, 30 years. And so now we got to be good with our feet and, and we got to be kind of like another center back back there so we can... Um, have kind of a man up, um, have an advantage, and, and we can keep the ball and, and make the other team run and tire them out and um, and hopefully break them down to go and score some goals. I mentioned at the top of the interview, you're at Middlesbrough on loan from Manchester City. you feel like you have any unfinished business at City or maybe in, in the Premier League still? 
uh yeah i mean i definitely have dreams and aspirations to uh to yeah play in the premier league again for sure at city is that kind of still in your in the back of your mind is like i have a return to city in my future we'll see man we'll see um anything's possible um We'll see. I'm definitely just focused on this year and, and um, getting ready for the World Cup so uh, so we can have a nice little run in, in the World Cup. You are one of the few guys, although now we see a lot more, who have kind of worn that label, American in the Premier League. What's it like being an American in the Premier League? Um, I mean, it's cool, man. A league that I've, I've been watching since I can remember. Um, it was definitely surreal and, and um, yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it was busy, um, but it, it was really cool. I mean, just the, the, the competition and, and just watching how good um, the players are in that league and how good those teams are and, and the fans in that league. It's, it's a special, special league. There's obviously the popular show Ted Lasso and, you know, in that show, there's, there's a pretty heavy, like anti-American bias. It's part of the narrative of the show. Did you ever feel yeah. that? as a player, as a goalie in the, in the premier league from the press or, or the fans? Uh, I mean, no, not, not to the Ted Lasso extent, but, um, yeah, no, uh, I thought, no, I mean, it was Christian and I, and a couple other guys. I mean, Josh Sargent was there. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I, I didn't feel that. What does it mean to the national team to have, to have all you guys kind of not just getting to the premier league, but getting to the premier league at this time, kind of in the build up. Uh, to a World Cup. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it, it's really important for for our players, the national team players, to to get over to Europe and to play in these um, these top leagues in the world and, and play against the, the the best of the best. So um, that's that's what we need with with the national team, and, and um, that's how we're going to grow, and that's how we're going to get better and and, and uh, make sacrifices being away from family and friends and, and um, uh, yeah, being far from home and, and it's all going to pay off. And as long as we keep, yeah, keep wanting to, to get better and, and, and yeah, just strive for, for greatness. And, um, it's what the national team needs and, and, um, yeah, we're very young with the national team right now, but, uh, hopefully in, in the future we'll, all this will pay off. I mentioned Ted Lasso. Let's talk about another American manager, Greg Berhalter. I wonder what his reaction was and what kind of conversations that you guys had were uh, before and around this move. Because you guys obviously have a relationship, you know, going way back. Yeah, no, he's, uh, yeah, he's just happy that I'll be playing. He wants his players playing. And um, and as long as as we're in, in good situations and, and can be playing week in, week out, that's what, and, and so we can have a rhythm. Um, that's what he, he wants for us. You know him from your days with Columbus crew. Has he changed a lot as a manager to kind of the, the, the guy that we see now in charge of the national team? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he's a very smart guy and, and, um, and he's, he's a guy that does not, um, does not get complacent. So he, he's always evolving. Mm. He's always adapting and growing. So he's definitely changed, but there's definitely some, uh, some things that he does the same. And, and um, yeah. What's the level of comfort for you just to have a coach at the national team level that you've worked with before? I, I just can imagine that's, that's got to be a huge advantage for you when you step into camp every time. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that we have a good relationship and um, he knows how to push me and I know how to, to communicate with him. And 
um, yeah, we have a good relationship where, where we both want to grow and get better and, and we want, we care about the team and, and the players around us. So we, we want to push them and, um, it's a good relationship and a good, a really good culture that he's brought into, into the national team. You mentioned the world cup a few times. Do you see yourself trying to hold on to the number one spot as the starter right now, or do you see yourself fighting for that job? Here we are four months from Qatar. Yeah, I think every position out there is is um, up for grabs. So, um, yeah, nothing's given, nothing's handed out for free. So we got to work, and and um, that's what makes you better. Competition. So uh, definitely looking forward to uh, to the season, and then looking forward to to the national team games and, and the lead up to the World Cup. How do you handle that? Like you're clearly working towards a World Cup, but the way to get there is very much in the day to day in front of you. Is it a challenge to kind of stay focused with that huge opportunity looming? Uh, not really. I think we're just used to it by now. Um, it's just our job and um, it's really all that time away, the, the World Cup being four months away. I mean, that's all you can do is work hard and then put in the, the, the sacrifice, the consistency, the effort each and every day and, and the World Cup will come up and, and hopefully we're all in rhythm and, and feeling good. So tell me a little bit about the competition between you and the other goalies like when you're in national team camp. Yeah, Matt and, and Sean and Ethan. Um, I think we have a really good crew, um, really good guys and, and guys that want to grow, guys that want to do well, guys that want to... Um, support the other one or the, the next one and and um and push each other so we have a really good group i think we all get a, get along um really well and, and that's exactly the, the type of culture that i want to have in, in a goalkeeping group and um yeah and yeah we're excited for for the future and and we know what we have to do um at club level and then we know what we have to do with the national team and it's just about um, doing all those little things, all the little details the, um, and doing it the right way. It's a good group. There was a time when, you know, there were four or five Americans as starting goalies or at least goalies in the Premier League. What do you think kind of overall state of American goalie right now? Yeah, I think we have a lot of potential. I think we, um, we're coming into our primes or we're in our primes and, and these next this next season, these next two seasons are going to be very crucial for for myself and for the rest of the rest of the gang. And um, we just got to buckle in and, and focus and, and take take some steps forward. Let's focus in on the World Cup before we let you get out of here, because I'm sure being over in England, there's a lot of people in your mansions, a lot of people talking about that USA England game uh, in the group phase. So let's focus in on that. When you saw that pop up and you know your history, having been in that country for a long time, what'd you think of that potential matchup? Yeah, I thought it, I mean, it's funny how the world works. It's funny how life works. Um, kind of like a full circle moment. Um, and yeah, just watching the U S England games in the past. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, man. Um, I'm, I'm definitely really looking forward to it and, and playing against some of the, uh, the city teammates and, and, and all that. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. You mentioned full circle moment. Do you remember where you were when you were watching it uh, when the U.S. got that draw in, in 2010? Was that a big memory for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I felt bad for Rob Green, but I was, uh, I, I, was I was, I was yelling. Um, I, was, I was at home in my basement with my friends and family watching it. Mm. 
You remember that Deuce goal? You felt bad for Green, but you loved it from Clint, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. Well, what about this World Cup? I'm sure you heard the comments from Christian Pulisic, your teammate. You're going there with the intention to win the World Cup. You hear that from him. How similar is that to kind of the actual talk in the locker room amongst the guys? Yeah, I mean, we believe that. <laughs> why Why go there and, and not have that mentality? Um, that's exactly what um, the culture and the mentality that Greg and, and his staff has, has brought into the national team. And that's um, that's the type of mentality that we we as competitors go into games and training. We want to win everything. Do you see that as kind of the the black and white line between success and failure at the World Cup? We've talked to Greg Berhalter on the show about it. Christian Pulisic mentioned it. We had the president of the Federation on it. Is it group phase survival means it was a good World Cup for you? What do you mean group, group stage survival? So getting through get the group through stage, it. is that kind of the line for success for you? No, not at all. Um, that's what, um, I mean, I don't want to say expect, but we i mean that's our first goal we have many goals for the world cup um and that's the that's the first goal what does it take then to get out of the group phase when you look not just at england but everybody else in the group yeah man it's uh just being together and enjoying it um for one just having fun and, and just taking it all in for what for for what it is and and that's the world cup which is a very special for for most of us for all of us it'll be i think for all of us maybe besides deandre it'll be um our first world cup so um take it all in stay together um be a team and then just going out there and, and um executing our roles and, and our game plans so a lot of first world cuppers where does the leadership come from then how do you how do you generate leadership in a group where there's not a lot of guys who have been through a world cup i think a lot of the leadership comes from um the guys who have been over here in europe and and Honestly, I, I want to say 75% of us are leaders on that team because um, we we all have the same goal. We all have the same drive. We're young, but um, I mean, we're not so young. I'm 27, but uh, we have that drive. Come on, bro. That's that young. Passion. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of young. Um, we're young, and we have that, that passion and energy and drive that we we want to we want to prove people wrong and we want to prove people that, or prove the people that we can play and and um that we're forced to be reckoned with and and um and we believe that mm. a lot of people would look at the lack of experience and say that's a weakness it sounds to me like you view your youth as as kind of a strength for this team absolutely absolutely um like i said we, we have a lot of motivation a lot of passion um a lot of energy um and that that'll go a long way Awesome. All right, there he is, Zach Steffen, one of the goalies for the U.S. men's national team, the starter for Middlesbrough in the championship. Zach, thanks so much for the time, man. Appreciate you here on Football Americas. Yeah, man. Take care. So there he is, Zach Steffen, a Premier League winner, two times over with Manchester City, a Champions League finalist as well, now at Middlesbrough. By the way, for the extended version of our interview with Zach, download the Football Americas podcast. You can find it on the website or in the ESPN FC feed, wherever you download your podcasts. For more on American goalies in the championship, Let's talk to an American goalie who played in the championship, Casey Keller, for what, four seasons back in the day at Millwall? Did they call it the championship back then, Casey? Yes, it was, uh, I think, the first year of the championship. But, 
You know, for me, the idea of, of, of the guys playing in the championship is, is great. I mean, I played, including cup games for Millwall in those four seasons, I played 202 matches hmm. in four seasons. I couldn't have asked for a better way to really, you know, kickstart my career by having a whole bunch of games in a short period of time and really kind of learning uh, the position. Now, what's tricky for some of the guys now in the championship they're not 21, 22 years old. You know, they're kind of in the middle of their career and having to almost take a step back to go forward. But this isn't, uh, this isn't unique for American goalkeepers. I mean, Friedel spent four years at Liverpool, played a handful of games, ended up going down to Blackburn in the championship. That first year, Blackburn gets promoted, and then he goes on to, to break some records uh, with attendance, with, uh, with consecutive matches. So, look, it's not a – by no means is it something where you're looking at, or at least I'm looking at it, and going that, wow, you know, this is a step back. No, for me, it's really a, a minor step back for hopefully a big leap forward. All right, so let's put it then in the perspective of the U.S. men's national team because, of course, we got the World Cup coming up. And as I see it right now, there are four goalies with a shot at Qatar. And really, Casey, if we break it down, it's kind of two different battles, right? There's a battle for the number one job, and then there's a battle for the number three job because even with 26 roster spots, I don't think we're taking four goalies to Qatar. So let's start with the battle for the starting job then. We'll, we'll kind of treat it as like a tail of the tape, right? If we were thinking about it from like a boxing matchup, uh, if we, if we focus first on Zach Steffen, where does he, in your opinion, have the edge over a guy like Matt Turner? Well, I think there's a couple reasons why Zach probably has a little bit of an edge over Matt. He's got uh, a longer history kind of in the national team programs. He's you know been at a higher level sooner uh, than Matt has. Um, he's... He's also had a long history with Greg Berhalter. Now, mm. there, there might be some question marks on kind of what's happened with that history in recent times. And, uh, but, but I think all things being equal, I think Zach probably gets the nod. Now, as we've seen over the last year or two, things have been far from equal. They've been all over the place for, for both these guys. And so it's... Uh, It'll be really interesting also to see kind of what the word is out of Arsenal with how mm. Matt's doing, you know, kind of through preseason and then uh, and then into the start of the season as we all assume that he's going to be uh, the number two there and, and, and kind of in a similar situation. Will he get a chance to play regularly, let's say, in, in the League Cup? And can then Arsenal have a run where he gets – you know, five, six games, you know, before maybe the World Cup. I, I, look, like I said, Seb, we've talked about this a bunch, and, you know, there's no ideal situation right now, but where I think Zach Steffen can possibly take that leap forward, and that's playing, you know, 15 games in the championship before the, uh, before the World Cup. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the one side of Zach's game that I have a little bit of a question on, uh, is his durability. And that's the one thing about the championship. The championship is a grind. Mm. You are playing six to seven matches a month if you have a good cup run. And there's no expectation at times, particularly when you're at a place like Middlesbrough and you want to get promotion, you want to maybe you know, get to a quarterfinal or something where you've got some good opportunities for the club to make some extra money and some big ties. I don't see them 
mm. playing this guy and then playing that guy. There's an expectation that they've got this guy on loan from a club like Man City because they want him to make a difference. Now, where Zach did make a difference was when the first part of the season at Fortuna Dusseldorf, they're, they're, he was getting rave reviews. And then, unfortunately, he was injured for the majority of the second half and really didn't feature. So that's going to be my question is the durability of Zach and how he does having to play a whole bunch of games in a short period of time. Yeah, Casey, to that point, I feel like if there is one area where Matt Turner has the clear edge, it's his availability, right? He seems to always pretty much be available to the national team and to Greg Berhalter. Zach Steffen hasn't always been available. Is there another area in terms of kind of goalkeeping technical ability where you see that Turner may have an edge on Stefan or is it really just a, a clean sweep for Zach Stefan in your eyes? Well, I, I actually think uh, Zach's probably a, a little better technical shot stopper. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, that, that Matt's probably a little better technical shot stopper where Zach is, is, is such a great athlete and probably, and, well, not probably, actually probably better with his feet. And But then in the end, when you're going into a World Cup, you're going to need your goalkeeper to have to make saves. You're not too worried about him playing out of the back. At least that, that's a bonus if, if, that, if that happens. In the end, if he has to come up with a big save to keep you in the tournament, you know, that's, uh, that's paramount. Both these guys have proven they can make saves. There's no question about that. I think probably Matt's just a little more technical. Zach may be a little bit more athletic. And then it'll be interesting to see which one's in form. I know you and I have have teased Hercules in the past that he doesn't think (laughs) that it's necessarily paramount that a goalkeeper is playing week in and week out. Look, I would agree with Herc if the goalkeeper's 35 and has Mm. 400 league games or 500 league games under his belt plus 50 to 75 caps. You know, then I think, yes, he can kind of build off of that, you know, lifelong experience that they've gained. But, you know, these are two guys that, that, that don't have those kind of numbers or anywhere near those kind of numbers. So I think it's really crucial that there is some form. Now, is that form, you know, every other week in a cup situation? Is it week in and week out? Whatever it is, but there needs to be regular first team uh, appearances. Okay, so Zach Steffen versus Matt Turner is the battle for number one. Let's focus on the battle for number three, the third goalkeeper spot. We really don't talk about this position a whole lot, but it is an interesting one. You got Sean Johnson, of course, of New York City FC, and Ethan Horvath, who just made a lone move to Lutontown in the championship uh, as well. I guess we'll start with Sean Johnson here. Uh, Casey, where do you think he has the edge over Ethan Horvath in a goalie battle? Well, I think Sean has that little bit of an edge in in that uh, he's very well familiar in the national team programs. He's been coming in for years. Uh, uh, he, he's he's worked with the current goalkeeping coach both for club and country. He's you know he's proven that he can be that guy without the expectation that he's going to play. That he's a good team guy. That he's going to do you know whatever's needed to be a part of the of the national team. Uh, and he's been playing regularly for several years. Uh, you know, Ethan, you know, had a little bit of a spell where he came in both with Klinsman and with Greg and proved himself. But then the problem is he gets back to his club environment mm. and he can't play week in and week out. I'll be really. And, and that's not just, you know, a year or a new manager, a new club. It's been pretty consistent now for five, six years. And I think that's the 
The tricky part, can Ethan get somewhere, and obviously he's going to have this opportunity at Luton, you know, can he truly establish himself, prove himself, play you know, every minute of every game and, and, until World Cup selection comes around? You know, that's, again, that's what I want to see. And then if he is doing that, he obviously has to be playing well because if he's not, then he would be replaced. So, so yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the what you know with Sean Johnson mm. to can Ethan get himself into a situation where – they look at him and they say, okay, he's better. So I keep coming back to your points about experience, right? And that's the one area where Sean Johnson has like a huge edge, not just over Horvath, over all the goalies in this pool. Everybody in this pool is 27, 28 years old. You look at the amount of first team games they've played. They're all right, right around 130, 140. Uh, Sean Johnson is almost at 400 games in his career, Casey. How much does experience matter for a goalie and specifically in this race? Well, you have to think of that. If, if you get down to your third-choice goalkeeper, uh, you've had some issues. You know, you've had some injury issues or some suspensions or something going on. So to, to know that you've got a guy that's kind of been through the mill a little bit. Now, obviously, what would be ideal is if Sean had 100 of those games of those 400 you know, in a championship, in a Bundesliga, even a Bundesliga two or something with just that little bit more, you know, international experience. Um, but that's not the case. But at least, like I said, he's got the experience around Gold Cups. He's got the experience around uh, around the national team in different environments uh, for many, many years. And like I said, it, it would be, I think, maybe a first uh, in any World Cup if the third goalkeeper had to play. <laughs> Yes. As you said, if you're playing the third goalie, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. Something has gone truly off the rails. That never happens here on Football Americas, especially when it comes to our technology. He's Casey Keller. Thanks for joining us here on the show. We'll see you again soon, yeah? Thanks, Abby. Great to have Casey on the show, man, who played in the Bundesliga, La Liga, of course, which you can see on ESPN+. Plus. You know what else you can see on ESPN+. Plus? That's right, the championship. You might see Zach Steffen playing for Middlesbrough this weekend. They've also been linked to Matthew Hoppe. They're going up against West Brom. That's right, the home of Daryl DK. Coverage starts Saturday, 1225 in the afternoon Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Turning our attention now to Mexican football, Santiago Jimenez is in Holland. This is not a drill. The 21-year-old Mexican international set to complete his transfer from Cruz Azul to Feyenoord. Again, ESPN reporting the Dutch side going to pay 4 million euros for 50% of his rights. For a Dutch perspective on this move, let's hear from our friends at ESPN Netherlands. Here's Cecilia Lagos from our studios in Amsterdam. Hi Sebastian, how are you? What's being made of uh, the arrival of Santiago Jimenez here in the Netherlands world? It's been a huge, huge topic in the media and among the fans. There are really, really high, high expectations about what he can do. Can he bring all the goals and all the success and the great performances that he had uh, with Cruz Azul here in Feyenoord? Well, he doesn't feel the pressure and this is what he had to say upon his arrival at Schiphol. No, porque la verdad es que esta liga ha tenido muy buenos jugadores mexicanos, sé de la grandeza del Feyenoord. No, pues no es presión, sino es fútbol y hay que disfrutarlo al máximo. As I said, the expectations are really high. It's basically been the only topic about Feyenoord for the, for the whole week. And um, the four top scorers of the last season uh, for Feyenoord, they are left this season. Sinisterra, Justiel, uh, Linsen, uh, Cyril Desters, and uh, all of them together scored uh, more than 80 goals. So they really, really need those goals back. And uh, Santiago Jimenez is the greatest hope for that. So he is coming now as a great start um, and as the great star too. So basically they are really, really hoping that he can bring back those goals that were left with this for uh, top scorers. Thank you very much, Cecilia. A bit of a good news, bad news week then for Mexican number nines. Raul Jimenez, we showed you him scoring over the weekend for Wolves in a game against Besiktas. Actually, a second goal of the preseason. The bad news was in that same game, he came off injured. Wolves has confirmed it's an injury to his MCL and his knee, as well as a minor strain to the adductor muscle. Jimenez expected to miss the start of the season. Some reports claiming it could take as long as eight weeks. Everybody starts to worry when you hear that number, eight weeks. Now, good thing for Raul's wife, who's on Twitter, Daniela Vaso, and she took to social media to clear things up, to stamp out rumors of a potential surgery for Raul Jimenez. Nope, she's claiming just a couple of weeks of rehab for Jimenez, who is out injured for Wolves ahead of the Premier League season. For more on this, let's welcome into the show Mauricio Pedrosa, who joins us from the Football America studios <laughs> in Los Angeles. Mau, I, I have to know, do you have your tattoo artist picked out? Because in recent yeah. weeks, you've been saying, hey, I'm going to get a Santiago Jimenez tattoo if he starts in the World Cup. And in this week, he's gone to Europe and Raul Jimenez goes down. Where on your body are you going to get Where are you going to get it? I only have one very small tattoo. I don't know if you're going to be able to see it. It's right here. So I'm planning on getting... The same font, same size, right below my Left Forever tattoo. That's where El Bebote is going to be stamped uh, on my arm, Seb. I hope you don't throw me under the bus like you did with Herc earlier on the show. I heard you. I heard you. Meep, meep. That was the bus running over Hercules Gomez twice on the show. Uh, actually, maybe three times. I threw him under the bus. Zach Steven then backed the, the bus up over Herc. And then Casey Keller uh, ran it over him a third time just for good measure. All right, so uh, enough about all that. Let's get to some of the bigger business right now that's happening yeah. around Mexican soccer. Specifically, now the case of a player that you and I both love, and that's Diego Linus who's close to a loan move to Sporting Braga in Portugal from Betis in Spain. 
What do we make of this? Mao, is it a good move or a bad move for Linus? And of course, we always have to put it in the context of this is a World Cup year, yeah. and he's very much trying to make his spot on the team for Qatar. This is fantastic news. I was able to talk with someone in Diego Linus's camp. They said it's 100% confirmed hmm. that Diego Linus will play for Sporting Braga starting next week. And it is a great move for different reasons. Number one, this source told me that uh, Diego Linus talked to the manager and you cannot always give 100% guarantees, but Diego Linus is set to be a starter for a team that finished fourth last season in the Portuguese league, just behind the big names like Sporting, Porto, Benfica. Uh, Sporting Braga came fourth. They made it all the way to the quarterfinals in Euro uh, Europa League. They're going to play again Europa League. So he's going to see the minutes that he was not able to see while playing for Betis. So uh, with, with, all, with all these dark clouds above Diego Linus's career in the past couple of years, I think this is the best news he's gotten in a long, long time. Yeah, there's not a lot to complain about here. The one thing that jumped out to me that was a little... It's not surprising, disappointing is, is the financials, right? I think the, the buyout option here is 7 million euros. Uh, Betis paid 14 million euros for this player when they bought him from Club America. Of course, some of that value goes down based on years left on the contract, etc. But you would like to see a player's transfer value going up uh, as he continues his career in Europe. That said... I really like this move as well, and I wonder how you think about it in comparison to Almeria, right? Because that's yeah. what we were talking about last week, and when I think about it, I love this. Here's the reason why. It's a team at the top of the table, and no matter what Almeria did in, in La Segunda División now, we know a team that's coming up to La Liga, they're, gonna be, they're not going to have the ball. Right, they're gonna they're gonna be fighting against relegation. They're gonna be they're gonna be battered, you know, week in and week out. Is a player like Diego Linus gonna get on the ball and have the freedom to do what he wants? If your team's fighting relegation, as you point out, this team's fourth last year. They're gonna be playing in Europa League. There's a ton of games. I love that it's Europa League. Not just is it more games, That's more right. opportunity, but on top of that, it's a showcase. It's a showcase for a player on loan. So I'm with you, man. I love the move. Final thoughts, real quick. I just I, and and I also believe that the Portuguese league has proved to be. Yes. actually friendly to Mexican players. This was probably the better idea four years ago when he had a mm. chance to play either in uh, Holland, in Portugal, or Spain. He chose Spain. That was a mistake, but the Portuguese league is actually very, very friendly for Mexican players. I love the move. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was looking up the history of Mexican players in, in Portugal. It goes all the way back to Manuel Negrete back in the <laughs> 80s. So uh, plenty yeah. of history there. Let's hope it goes well for Diego Linus. Great work uh, getting the details there from the Diego Linus camp. Let's talk a little Liga Mekis here because Chivas were in action last night against Querétaro, a team they hadn't beaten since November of 2019. Chivas hasn't beaten anybody uh, in four games so far this season before this one. 26th minute though, Sebastián Pérez Buquet, mi tocayo mao, getting yeah. Chivas off to a good yeah, start. Yeah, but it's all Alexis Vega. He's been by far not only Chivas' best player, maybe best player in Liga MX, another decision for Alexis Vega. Querétaro though, getting it right back just before the half. Ariel Nahuelpan with the header to make it 1-1. Yeah, and that's one rare mistake by Chivas goalkeeper, Guacho Jimenez. I know it's a wet field, but as a professional goalkeeper, you should be able to stop that. So Chivas needs goals. Who do they go to? Santiago Ormeño, the new guy. And he gets, excuse me, I'm getting choked up. A chance here, but oh, wow, a terrible miss. You cannot miss that. It's your first game as Chivas player. You are el gran refuerzo. He missed it again. Another great assist by Alexis. 
Okay, so a foul committed here. The rest helping Chivas. Now, we never heard of this before, have we? Chivar. We call it Chivar <laughs> in Mexico. Even when there's not VAR involved, it's uh, still Chivar. The VAR, though, eventually would come back uh, to bite Chivas because Querétaro get a late penalty. What do you think of this? Yeah, I thought it was it was a good call, good review by VAR. But it was Santiago Ormeño with the jersey pull. He's been killed by Chivas social media. That miss and then giving up the penalty kick. Uh, in the end, 2-2. Not a great result for Chivas, Seth. Nope. Five games, four points, zero wins. They are now 14th out of 18 teams in Liga MX. So, now is it time for panic or calm for Ricardo Cadena, the manager of Chivas? Absolutely panic. Querétaro is one of the, let me rephrase this, by far the worst team in mm. Mexican soccer in the past year. They have won only two games of the last 16 Liga MX matches. And Chivas was outplayed, outperformed, maybe even outcoached. Chivas' best player, even with that mistake, was Huacho Jimenez. Querétaro dominated not only to the eye side, but mm. to the eye test. But statistically, Querétaro was the better team. So at this point, I'm giving up. And Chivas has to make a tough decision. I know it's early in the season, Seth, but is Ricardo Cadena really the right guy mm. uh, The right guy in command? I don't think so. Let's go back to Leaño's time, right? We all know he was not a manager. It was a catastrophe. Now you name another guy who's having his first experience as a first division manager. It was an accident waiting to happen. Mm. This is big, big panic time for Ricardo Peláez and Chivas. Yeah, man, it is uh, It is not going well for Chivas. I'm, I'm with you in terms of alarm over calm here, though I'm not that surprised, right? T to your point about Leaño, the knock against him was red cards, ill-discipline, late goals. Cadena Friend comes in and fixes owner. that. Cadena, yes, yes, and of course the, the relationship with the owner. But Cadena comes in and fixes that for a moment, which is why he eventually gets the interim label pulled off. Well, what's happened this season? All those things are back for Chivas. They got red cards in two of their five games. They give up a late goal last night. They, they blew a lead in the second half against Santos, yeah. against San Luis, your beloved Atletico San Luis. They gave up a goal in first half stoppage time. So the discipline is back. And Mao, if I'm looking at the schedule, man, for Chivas here... I'm worried. I got the date August 13th circled on my calendar. It's the next Clásico Tapatio. And before that, you got Pachuca and Mazatlán in league. And you have the League's Cup Showcase next Wednesday in Los Angeles. So you got a friendly mixed in there as well for Chivas against the Los Angeles Galaxy. You go through those three games and they don't go well. You get to the Clásico Tapatio and things go really bad against a very good Atlas team. He's gone, right? I mean, it's August 13th or bust. And, and, and there's no time. Liguilla starts, believe it or not, in a couple of months. So if Ricardo Peláez, Chivas' uh, sporting director, if he still believes there's a chance with this team to make a run to La Liguilla, change has to come now. Mm. Antonio Mohamed was just relieved of his duties as a manager in Brazil. And we all know that Ricardo Peláez and Mohamed have a relationship. It wasn't always a pretty relationship, but now he's a name that Chivas has to take in consideration. Ricardo Cadena, there's a reason why he was never a manager in Primera División. He was always in Liga de Ascenso, lower tier, lower level soccer in Mexico. But if they're going to make the call, they have to make it now.
All right, let's move from Chivas to another grande. Elsewhere in Liga MX Pumas, we got to see Danny Alves make his Liga MX debut last night as Pumas played to a 1-1 draw against Mazatlan. How about that? Danny Alves making his debut wearing exactly the number you thought he would wear, the number 33. He played 90 minutes, kind of in a different role, a little bit more in midfield than in defense. And in the end, he did have an impact in this game, providing the assist on Nicolás Freire's 90th minute equalizer. By the way, the draw for Pumas, their fourth tie in five games this season. Let's hear from Alves after the match. Bueno. <laughs> No, no ha podido ser la victoria, pero para empezar no está mal, eh, apenas, apenas llegué y ya, ya eh, tuve que jugar eh, los 90 minutos para poder sentir también el campeonato, sentir los compañeros y, y, y poder sentir los adversarios, saber cómo, cómo es el campeonato y poco a poco pues uno se va adaptando, se va sabiendo y conociendo los, los compañeros que, que tengo a mi lado, eh, queda muchas cosas por hacer. El equipo tiene personalidad, tiene mucha, muchas ganas y, y con esas ganas pues seguramente vamos a escalar en posición. All right, now was the uh, story of the night in Liga MX and maybe beyond. What grade are you giving Dani Alves for his Liga MX debut? So, you know, I'm all for strong opinions, right? Mm -hmm. But I do not have a strong opinion here. <laughs> I honestly, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. And that's probably what we will come to expect from mm. a 39-year-old player in Liga MX. He's one of the best players in his position of his generation, Dani Alves. But listen, I don't get the fact, I don't understand why he played 90 minutes. After 45 minutes, he was done. He was tired. It, it's not easy to play it in Mexico City's altitude just with three training sessions. And I'll say this, this is what concerns me. It absolutely looked like Pumas was adapting to Dani Alves instead of Dani Alves mm. adapting to Pumas. That shouldn't be the case. And it's all reverence, it's all celebrations, it's fireworks for Dani Alves. But the team has to be very, very aware. He's not gonna change the course of the season for this team. So he has to adapt what they already were doing well, not the other way around. Yeah, if I were to give him a grade, I'd definitely give him a passing grade, right? And I'm pretty generous. Yeah. I'll probably give it like a like C? a B minus, like a C, C plus, maybe? B yeah. minus. Yeah, I, I always needed generous grades when I was in school, so I, I'm more likely to, <laughs> to bump it up a notch. Look, you said it. You said it right there. He looked every bit, not just 39 years old, but 39 years old coming off an off season, right? And, and to your point about the altitude, I was I was like, man, it must be hot in Mexico City. So I looked up the temperature. It was only like 60 degrees. Uh, it was 80 80 percent humidity so you had the altitude you had the humidity you had the first game you had the 90 minutes uh and it looked kind of bleak what i would say though is if if your point is right and and danny is not going to change the trajectory of this team let's not grade him on 90 minutes let's grade him on moments and for me they're down one nothing he gets the assist in the 90th minute for that moment alone, that's why I'm giving him maybe that, that B minus, very that B generous. plus. Look at that. Look at that generous very, very grading. Generous. I could have benefited that uh, from that in my schooling years as well. There he is, Mauricio Pedrosa. I catch him five days a week on Ahora Nunca over on ESPN Deportes. Mao. as always, 
Thanks for the time, and thank you for being the only person on this show not to run Herc over with that bus. Anytime, anytime. (laughs) See you next week, Sebi. Thanks. There it is. Yes, we will be seeing Mal next week out in Los Angeles uh, for some big events. We'll talk about that in just a second. But first things first, Josie Altidore is reportedly heading to Puebla on loan from the New England Revolution. How about that? According to Jeff Carlisle, the 32-year-old could feature even as early as Saturday against Mal's beloved Atletico San Luis. Uh, As a result of this, I'm putting the over-under on Josie making the World Cup team at 25%. We'll get Herc's answer on whether that's over or under on Monday's edition of the show. I mentioned the League's Cup showcase. We will be there. When I say we, I'm talking about Mao. I'm talking about Herc. I'm talking about Seb. I'm talking about all of Football Americas for this great doubleheader next Wednesday on ESPN. Galaxy against Chivas. LAFC against Club America. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. One more bit of news around Major League Soccer. As first reported by the Washington Post, David Ochoa is moving from RSL to D.C. United. In exchange for allocation money, the 21-year-old Mexican international hasn't played for RSL in MLS this season, claiming at one point that he wasn't allowed to train with the team. Ochoa is out of contract at the end of the season, so it'll be interesting to see if this is a short-term or long-term move for Ochoa in the nation's capital. MLS on ABC and ESPN Deportes on Saturday. Nice little Western Conference showdown. Minnesota United against the Portland Timbers. Coverage starts at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks to everybody for joining us tonight. A couple other notes before we get out of here. Congratulations to Vancouver. They won the Canadian Championship, punching themselves a ticket in the next CONCACAF Champions League. Also worth noting, today is hashtag National Soccer Day, according to social media. So enjoy that for what it's worth. Enjoy your weekend and be ready for next Monday's show, the highly anticipated return of Hercules Gomez from vacation. That's it for us. I'll see you on Monday here on Football Americas.